0: The Gospel is from St. John, the 16th chapter. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It is good to be back, good to be back. I first want to indeed say thank you to this amazing congregation for your support uh, going through a total knee replacement. I knew it was hard because I've seen so many of you go through it. Uh, It's definitely lived up to um, its uh, reputation um so thank you i want to thank our incredible slc staff pastor jonathan certainly pastor mike who filled in beautifully so i'm so thankful to them and our council um just to have this support um through this time i'm i'm like i say i'm certainly super glad to be back the best and most important thank you um i have to go out to my family i know Laura and Vicky are here today, which is cool, um, so their support. And then I, Sandy, um, I could not have done this without her, so please, when you see her, express your thanks to her for putting up with me and supporting me through this journey. Um, it, uh, just, I'm filled with awe and thanks for her support during this uh, journey. Um, so um, starting points are important. Where you start, if you've got a map, and you don't start in the right place, you're not getting anywhere. Well, when it comes to the Holy Trinity, um, we start with Jesus. You can start with the Holy Trinity and try and figure it out in some intellectual way, and there's a place for that. But the reason we believe in the Holy Trinity is the Holy Trinity Jesus gave to us. He said, go baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus... In the New Testament, and certainly we can see lots of glimmers and glimpses of this in the Old Testament as well, um, made claims about himself, where he is God. In the Gospel of John, he says, the Father and I are one, and in the text today, we see the Spirit dancing um, as Jesus talks about the Spirit's role in declaring what Jesus says to us. New Testament writers make claims about Jesus, and then Jesus himself does things, and indeed says things, that he he is God. So, yet he also prays to the Father, and so, and then in the New Testament we call him Lord. People are starting to call him Lord, which is the Greek word that was used to to translate into Greek the Hebrew tetragrammaton, the, the I am who I am, Yahweh. That's what the Greek Old Testament used, Lord. And so people start calling Jesus Lord, Adonai. So when you start, there you go, okay, we know in the Old Testament, Shema, Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu, Echad, Adonai, the Lord your God is one. God, Hero O Israel, the Lord your God is one. So we know God is one, and yet Jesus is God, and Jesus is praying to God the Father. So we start to try and work this out. By the way, the first part of this sermon is going to be kind of doctrinal because I really believe that we need to continue to be taught and immersed in that. So this is the part you have to work harder at. You know, this isn't the part where you start to snooze off and go, you know, we'll, get, we'll start in the head and we'll go to the heart, okay? So we're, we're in the head at the moment. So with these claims of Jesus, as the church moved on for a few hundred years, They started trying to, how do we talk about this? How do we language this? And we get to the Council of Nicaea in 325, and we have the Nicene Creed, which we will use today for our response and our confession of faith. I really believe that if the New Testament writers and Jesus himself were to read the Nicene Creed, they would say, that's what we are talking about. God is of one essence, but three persons. And so we'll use that Nicene Creed today. And by the way, another little teaching tidbit, you know that we do the creed after the sermon as a chance for you to do your kind of altar call. You've heard the word, now you confess your faith. But it's not just that, it's also preaching. It proclaims the good news to you, whether it's the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, it, it keeps preaching. So it's the end of the preaching part of the service. The scriptures, the sermon, the children's sermon, all of that, the choir, the anthems. Wasn't that amazing today? Oh my gosh. But it's also our response and our faith. So, with that, the biblical writers gave us the promise that Jesus is God and Jesus has given us God's name, the name in which we are baptized Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, let's just quick unpack that briefly and a little more doctrinal stuff, and then we'll get to the heart. Um, Jesus cried out, Abba, Father. In Aramaic, when he taught us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, it's probably really our daddy. It's that kind of intimate relationship. And in fact, that's one of the reasons Jesus got in such trouble, because he was teaching sinners and ordinary people that you could approach God in such an intimate way. We would maybe not think that's such a big deal today, but in Jesus' day, you know, To even come into God's presence when you weren't some kind of special super saint or something was was unheard of. And Jesus says, no, you pray, Abba, Father. And so that's the way we pray. Now, there's some ways that we go wrong in our modern world with this. And again, I've taught on this many times, but you need to hear something quite often for it to stick, right? So um, some people struggle with the masculine imagery of Father, partly because of something that happened around 500 years ago a lot of you have been to Rome how many of you have been to Rome seen the Sistine Chapel Michelangelo he wanted to paint a picture of God the Father you know who he went to to get the picture Zeus people know you know that before him Christians never painted a picture of God the Father you know why Well, partly because of the Ten Commandments, you shall have no graven images. God the Father is not a man. I got news for you, sorry. I know we say the man upstairs sometimes, that's fine. God is not a man. God is not a woman. God is spirit. But ever since Michelangelo did that amazing, incredible work of art, when we think of God the Father, we think of a, a Zeus. And that doesn't work for everybody. And so we scramble around trying to think about, and and do we replace father with mother or this or that? And and the problem with replacing father with mother is it just starts to bring in something that you kicked out the front door and the back door. That is that God is a male or a female. That's not the point. The Canaanite fertility cults that Israel so rejected believed that God, there were male gods and female gods. No, that's not it. Jesus, we pray to God as Father because that's what Jesus gave us, and I'm not going to go further than that, and I'm going to cherish that gift. But there are places in the Scriptures where God is referred to like a mother. In Isaiah, God is like a mother nursing her child, and Jesus says, I long to gather my chicks like a mother hen, you know. So we can talk about God like a mother, but in my view, we have God as Father, and we just have to know what that means. And, and maybe that will help. But again, that's, it's the intimacy that counts. It's that connection. It's that parental love and care. And so then Jesus prays to God as Father, who is then the creator of all that exists and everything. And then he is God, the Word made flesh. And what is Jesus about? What does he show us about who God is? Well, just listen to what Martin Luther says in his small catechism. I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature, delivered me and freed me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with silver and gold, but with his holy and precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. In order that, and now listen to this, in order that I may be his, in order that I may belong to God. Think about that. The one who created all that is wants you and me to belong to God, to belong to Christ Jesus. And that I may live under him and his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, even as he is risen from the dead and lives and reigns eternally. Thanks be to God. That's God, Jesus, showing us the heart of who God is. And that's what God has done for us, created us, redeemed us. And then we get to the Holy Spirit brooding over all creation. I love to talk about the Spirit as God the verb. The action word, the action part of God. Luther says that without the Holy Spirit, we couldn't even believe in God. He says, I believe I can't believe unless through the word, the Holy Spirit engenders that faith in us. And it's the gift of the Holy Spirit that allows us and enables us to believe. So there you go. There's a little bit of, okay, doctrine of the Holy Trinity, God's name, the name in which I've been baptized, tells us who God is and what God is about in our lives and our world. What does this have to do with with our journey today. Well, um, I know someone who recently had a lot of time to sit around and watch movies. <laughs> so you remember that movie, Like Mike? It's way back in the beginning of the 2000s. Everybody's going, hmm, oh, you need to go home and watch this movie. Katie turned me on to this one, and it's a story about some elementary age kids who are in an orphanage. And the two of the orphans that become front and center, is one is named Calvin and one is named Murph. And through, I won't go over the whole movie obviously, but through the twists of fate and or maybe divine providence, um, Calvin comes across some tennis shoes that belong to Michael Jordan. And these tennis shoes, through a lightning bolt, anyway, I can't even explain it, had this special power bestowed on them and so when Calvin put on these tennis shoes he didn't know it at first but he could play basketball like Michael Jordan even better and then more twists of fate he shows up at the LA Knights ba- NBA fictional course basketball team and um, and he just comes to visit he gets this special gift that he can come visit and then somehow he winds up on the court And he starts to play, and everybody's amazed. Look at how incredible he is. He's like Michael Jordan. And then at first it's just a novelty, and then they start going, we're not doing very well. We need Calvin on the court. And Calvin gets on the court, and he plays amazing, and he takes them to the championship. I'll let you watch the movie to see if they win. But he's got his little buddy Murph. And his little buddy Murph is kind of awkward. Nobody notices him under the radar he's kind of a little quirky little dorky you know a little uh, you know not popular nobody thinks highly of him but he's calvin's good buddy and he sticks with calvin as calvin now becomes this famous kid famous basketball player well of course there's a bad you know some enemies who are trying to steal once they figure out that it's the tennis shoes they're trying to steal the tennis shoes and all of that and it's a wonderful movie but one of the things that happen is that now Calvin's on this professional basketball team and Tracy, the star of this particular team, gets put in charge of watching over Calvin because Calvin's just a kid and they're going on the road and playing all these basketball games. But Tracy does not want this assignment. It's like, this kid is a nuisance. He's in my face. He's always talking to me. I just wish he'd get out of my, get, get, you know. And actually, Tracy starts to do some pretty unhealthy and not good things. And Calvin then bails Tracy out. And they start to have this relationship throughout the movie. And then um, at the very end, um, they you know the, the, the movie ends, and there's a beautiful scene where now, unfortunately, the shoes have lost their power and Calvin just has to go back to being Calvin in an orphanage. Overlooked, forgotten, undervalued, along with his friend, Murph. But Tracy shows up. Before I tell you what happened at that point, I started thinking about that concept, though, when it comes to our journey and our walk in this life. Look at all the evil, horrible things that have happened when people feel like they don't count and they don't matter. That they're overlooked, they're second class, third class, fourth class, whatever way you want to describe it. They don't matter, they're unwanted. I was just listening to a kind of celebrity podcast person that was talking about how what made the difference, I think they were adopted and they said, you know what got me through all of the stuff? And this person was an African-American and they had experienced lots of racism and other stuff, but what got me through is that my mom made a decision that she wanted me. It's interesting. It's, It's a horrible thing to be unvalued. And our typical fix for that. Is all right. Let me just use one so that we don't get too uh, hung up in specifics here today. Let's say people don't value people with red hair. Anybody in red hair? We had two redheads in the early serves, so I have to be careful. I want there one anyway. I love redheads. They're powerful. They're awesome. Um, but let's just say we lived in a society that thought redheads were you know. Bleh. Well, that redhead may feel horrible and be put down, but then at some point they're going to go, no, I'm going to take pride in being a redhead. In fact, redheads are even better than all you other people. And so as human beings, and it's not all bad, you should have pride in yourself. You know that Lutherans, by the way, that w- at first we were called evangelicals 500 years ago because we were about preaching the gospel, um, but Lutherans, that was a pejorative, that was a put down, you Lutherans, like, you know, like, pff. and so what did Lutherans do? Well, we like that name, we're going to be Lutherans, that's right, take that. Of course, Luther would never want anybody to be called a Lutheran, but nonetheless, that's a good adjective for our Christian journey. So we can do that, and that's the way human beings try and fix things, is, well, I'm going to take pride in whatever it is that other people don't value. And there's a place for that, but let me tell you there's a better way. There's God's way. It happened at this baptism right here when, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you were baptized and you were given God's name. You were given an identity. You were given that you count, you matter. The world may say that you're of no worth nothing, but when God Almighty baptizes you, He says, I claim you, you are mine, you count, I forgive you of your sins, I've redeemed you, that's how important, I went to the cross for you then even when everybody else puts you down or your job says you're fired or, or cancer says you're sick or whatever, all these things that happen to us, we've got, we've got a word from God and that's where our identity is. You see, we don't have to create an identity. We have one. It's a gift of God in Christ Jesus. So that we go back to Tracy, standing there with Calvin, going to go back to the orphanage and this famous basketball player who didn't like Calvin much at first tells Calvin I'm adopting you. Calvin is just it's just like oh my gosh somebody cares somebody somebody's choosing me and then he thinks and he says wait a minute not without Murph And Tracy says, Murph too. You know what God says on Holy Trinity Sunday to you and giving you his name? I want you too. I want you too. Wow, to be wanted. Thanks be to God. Amen.